Well, I guess kind of where we are presently, what Peter has been dealing with, is on the subject um, of separation. Uh, separation, we've talked about this uh, quite a bit. We know what 1 John 2.15 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And that's, that's, uh, that's, that's pretty big words there, isn't it? When you really stop and think about that. And so when we think about that, think of what is the, what is the word, what is, what does world mean anyway? When he says, love not the world, how would you define the world? Well, I like what John Phillips said, and he defined the world this way, human life and society with God left out. Human life and society with God left out. What does that look like? Decisions on raising a family with God left out. Decisions on money with God left out. Decisions on a career with God left out. Decisions on entertainment with God left out, right? We played this game that was definitely ungodly last night. There's no way. That was a worldly game because I was so mad. I tell you, I was not good at it, but uh, yeah. I mean, it's all, listen, I like all of human life and society with God left out, right? What we eat, what we wear, the vocabulary we use. I mean, we, with God left out, that's called worldliness. That's worldliness. And so we're told not to be that. As a newborn, as a born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, adopted into the family of God, we have been given a new way to behave. I like that old, that song, get the new look from the old book. Have you remember that one? Isn't that great? Get the new look from God's word. I like that. And, but there, there, we have a way that we live. We have a way that we behave. And if behaving is a, in a worldly way is leaving God out, then behaving in a spiritual way is bringing God in. And so what we're doing when we bring God in to every aspect of our life it will be drastically different from the world. And I, can I tell you this? You won't have to go on a checklist on how to live a separated life if you just go ahead and include God in every aspect of your life. Right? No, no, we kick them out sometimes. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. And so, but what we're looking at here in First Peter so far we've been looking at is when, when you bring God in, the natural thing will automatically happen, which is separation. You will come out from the world, right? Come out from among them. 2 Corinthians 6, 17. Come out from among them and be ye separate. It's not taught anymore. It's rarely preached anymore. And, and actually, let me say this. It's, it's not really opposed if I would preach separation. But woe unto me if I start line-iteming what is worldly and what is, what is ungodly. Boy, no, that's where the rubber hits the road. Nobody likes that, right? If they're all good about preaching. Yeah, get at them. And then you start naming it and like, oh, no. I don't want to claim that, right? Name it and claim it. Not wrong one. Yeah. So, so, so far, First Peter has been about separation. There's three areas that we've been separated. We can see here in First Peter. First Peter 1.23, born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed right, by the word of God. So we have been separated by a new birth. We're born again. If you put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, right? you have been born again. You have been separated by a new birth. You have been separated by belief. 2 Timothy 2.12, uh, this comes up so often when Paul told Timothy, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Uh, we have been separated by what we believe. What do we believe? Well, we believe God. We believe the Word of God. We believe this is the inerrant, infallible, preserved Word of God. Let me say this. If it's not preserved, inspiration doesn't matter. If it's not inspired, preservation doesn't matter. It has to be both. And the Bible says that over in the Psalms where the psalmist said, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Either we have it or we don't. I believe we have it. Amen? And if we don't have it, we just need to go home and build a fire and sit around the fire and just... Uh, do whatever, right? It, listen, if, if, we, if we have to guess whether we have the Word of God or not, what a miserable place to be. Right. But I tell you what, it's, it's not just something that we bring up mind over matter and just, well, we're just going to accept it. Listen, there's, there, there's more evidence that this is divine in nature and preserved than any other written book that's out in the world. That is not hyperbole. I mean it. I mean it. Do you know the history of, of, of Alexander the Great was written about 400 years after his conquests? And nobody questions the veracity of that history. 
Yet somebody will come along and say, well, the Bible, I mean, those guys, they didn't write until, uh, you, know, uh, you know, 60 years later. Well, try 30. And try 30 to 60. A lot better than 400, huh? Anyway, I don't have time to go on that tonight. But we have been separated by a new birth. We've been separated by what we believe. We believe the Word of God. We believe Jesus, who He said He is. He is the second person of the Godhead. He is, uh, he is God. He is, he is God incarnate, God in flesh. We believe that. We believe that the, the sacrifice that was made, the atoning blood that was shed at Calvary is sufficient is sufficient to take away our sins, past, present, and future, right? And to make us eternally, everlastingly, the son of, uh, a child of God. We believe that. Amen. So we're separated by worth. We're separated by what we believe. And we are separated by our behavior. I told you, 2 Corinthians 6, 17, Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate. So as a creator and redeemer, God has every right to expect his kids to live the way he wants them to live. You know, you have every right to tell your kid, you're not going to wear that. You're not going to go here. You're not going to say that. You're not going to talk to an adult like that. You're not going to, oh, I, you know, have you done it? Now, you, yeah, yeah. You look at them in the eye when you shake their, I've done that. Look at them when you just, you'll watch them, they'll shake their, shake their. I was like, look at them. Don't look at, look at somebody in the eye when you shake their hand. I mean, you're constantly, you want a way that, you have a way that you want your kids to live. Why? Because they represent you. They represent what you're supposedly trying to teach them, you know. And, uh, and if you don't have kids, I mean, you do it with your dog. Okay, where's Jim? Where's, I, I, know, I know he has, Jim is very, I hope he listens to this later, but he is very particular on how Andy behaves. And uh, that's his dachshund. So... <laughs> But uh, God has every right, amen? He absolutely does. So tonight, I want to look at <clears throat> uh, four truths of the Word of God that will affect our walk with Him. There's four truths here in 1 Peter that will affect our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Because, see, not only are we separated by, by like I said, by birth and by belief, but by, by behavior. And what does it mean? The behavior is the part that we have to actively do. You know, over in Ephesians 4.24, the Bible says that uh, you put on the new man, which, is after, which, which, is at, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. We're told to put on the new man. It said before that to put off the, old, the works of darkness and put on the new man. It's like my coat before I left the house. I said, is it, isn't it kind of warm, right? No, I went and got a coat anyway because you know what happened if I didn't get cold. And uh, so you're welcome. It's still warm because I got my coat. But I have to put it on, right? I can't walk through the house and just hope the coat falls on me somehow, right? It's not happening. We have to, listen, we have to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. We have to put on living a, 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 a living the same way that our birth certificate now reads, right? Jesus is our elder brother. The Father is our, is our, is our Father. The Holy Spirit indwells us. We have to live according to our, our birth certificate now and by what we believe, and we have got to do it by putting it on. Look at 1 Peter 2, 11 and 12 as we kind of ramp up here to get to where we're going. Look what it says here, Dear, dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, that ye may by your good works which they shall behold glorify God in the day of visitation. And so we are told to abstain from fleshly lusts, having your conversation, your lifestyle in honesty. Why? like we saw a couple weeks ago, because we're lively stones. We're lively stones. What do those stones do? Remember this? They reveal the grandeur of the foundation. Remember that? Tower of Pisa? What did the Tower of Pisa tell the world? The foundation's bad. Listen, and when we don't live like our Father desires us to live, because we're connected to the Lord Jesus Christ, what we are broadcasting to the world is there's something wrong with the foundation. Well, that's an awful way to glorify God. Right? You've heard it, right? Oh, I didn't think Christians did that. Oh, I, you, can I tell you the unbelieving world are some of the best? If you want to know how you ought to live as a Christian, ask an unbeliever. They'll tell you. They know it, don't they? Oh, I didn't know you guys did that. It's like... 
Yeah, that's embarrassing. Yeah. And so we saw that. But I want to give you tonight how, how do I, separation, let me say it this way, separation cannot be separated from the Word of God. I'm going to explain this to you tonight. Our view of the Word of God will determine our view of separation. Our love for the Word of God will determine our love of, for separation. Our consumption of the Word of God will affect our separation. Our obedience to the Word of God will affect our separation. And there's four truths here tonight I want to look at. You ready? Number one, you're like, I've been ready for a while. Number one, if you notice in our text, there's four things that talk about the Word of God. Number one, we're born again we are born again by the word of God. I read 1 Peter 1.23. See what it says here? Again, 1.23. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. We are born again. Go over to Mark chapter 4. I'm going to show you this. You're familiar with this. It's in uh, Matthew and uh, I think in John as well. But look at, uh, look at Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, look at verse 1. Jesus is telling a parable. He began to teach him by the seaside, and he taught him the parables. Verse 2, verse 3, Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow, and it came to pass as he sowed. Some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. And some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away, and some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit, and other fell on good ground, and did yield fruit, and sprang up, and increased, and brought forth some thirty, and some sixty, and some an hundred. He said, He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear. And it says, verse 10, when he was alone, that they were about him, the twelve asked him about the parable. And look what Jesus said in verse 13. Know ye not this parable? And how then will ye know all parables? The sower soweth the, what? Word. Word. So what is the seed? Right? The seed is the Word of God. And can I remind you tonight, there's nothing wrong with the seed. <laughs> there is nothing wrong with this book. There is nothing wrong. Listen, it will, if it is sown on good ground, it will bring forth fruit. And when the Word of God is preached... What happens? The Word of God lodges into a heart, into the heart of the hearer, and at that point, the hearer has two choices. They can either receive it, or they can reject it. They can believe it, or they can go on rejecting it and doubting it. But the moment that that hearer believes the Word and receives the Word, the natural course of action is to repent, right? What does that mean? It's a change of mind. You... you you had a, a body of information you were living your life by and believing. You were injected with new truth that you said, yeah, that's right. Why? Because I can tell because of the conviction of the Spirit of God that's drawing me to the... We can go on with that, but you got a new body of information that you said, yes, that's true. And what have you done? You said, well, I'm going to believe this and I'm going to go walk away from this. What did you do? You repented. You did an about face. It's a mental change. Right? That affects the heart eventually. What happens when the mind affects the heart? Well, it affects the actions. Right? Remember, this is God's economy. God begins in the mind with truth. It comes down into the heart, and the heart changes our actions. In Satan's economy, it's the opposite. It starts with the flesh, it infects the heart, and then it alters the mind. It goes to absolute reverse. And so we see here that it is the Word of God when it is preached, when it is put out. Right? It, it brings forth fruit, right? And uh, we come to a place of repentance, confession, and belief. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So, number one, we are born again by the word of God. We're born again by the seed. It's not, it's not corruptible, it is incorruptible. There is nothing wrong with the word of God. It'll, it'll always go out. God said that his word would... would uh, it, it would uh, it would go forth and it would uh, um, it would accomplish that where where it was intended 
to do. He said it will not, that's the word I'm looking for, it will not return void. That was what he was saying. It will be able to accomplish that word until he had uh, intended. So we're born again by the word of God. Number two, we should have a desire for the word of God. We saw this already, right? First Peter chapter 2, 1 and 2, desire the sincere milk of the word. You see that in chapter 2? Let me get back to it. Desire the sincere milk of the word. What's it say? Like a newborn baby. Right? Like a newborn baby. Verse 2. Desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. That desire, why is the desire there? Because the baby's already tasted it. Jesus said, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen? You've tasted the word of God. And once you get that taste in your mouth, you want it. Right? You brought the bottle to the baby and they start kicking all excited. Why? Because they've had it before and they're getting excited. Right? Do you, hey, do you have that response when you see the Bible on your, on your table in the morning? Do you, have, do you have that something in you that, that brings that desire, that, the desire to sit down and read it when you see it? Because you've known, you've tasted it, it was good. No, this is what he's saying. Desire. The word, the sincere, as newborn babes desire the sincere, uh, uh, the sincere milk of the word. What does that word sincere mean? It means pure. There's nothing wrong with this book. It's incorruptible seed. It's pure. Now, we saw this, didn't we? If a baby's not desiring milk, there is something wrong. No, you would take him to the doctor after a while. You bring a bottle up and it just mm, doesn't want it for a day or two. Isn't it a shame how many days we can go without the Word of God? It really is, isn't it? Yeah. So what was the problem? Something's wrong here. Well, we saw that. It won't be because the milk's spoiled. <laughs> a baby not, might not want the milk because it's spoiled, but listen, the Word of God's never spoiled. It won't be because of that. It won't be because the cows have been in the onions too long and the milk's kind of tasting bad. It won't be because of that. No, sir. This, the Word of God, the only reason it'll taste bad is because of conviction. <laughs> but you know what happens in the life of the believer, right? When, we, when conviction comes, right? The, uh, it's, it's something, it's a weird thing the world doesn't understand that we enjoy that. Isn't it good getting clean? You're clean by the Word which I have spoken. Yeah. It's a good thing. But it won't be that. Listen, there, there's nothing wrong with the milk. If your desire for the Word is gone, there's something else wrong. What did it tell us? <clears throat> well, envies, hip- hypocrisies, malice, strife. There's something going on. And you need to get, a- get away with the Lord by yourself sometime and say, okay, what is it? What is taking away the desire? Something is taking away the desire. Find out what it is. So we are born again by the word of God. We desire that we are supposed to desire the word of God. Number three in verse two, you see here, we're supposed to grow by the word of God. Well, how do we grow by the word? Right? That you may grow thereby. How do you do that? Well, 1 Peter 3 1 says, If any man, if any, if any obey not the word. Yeah. If any obey not the word. What is that talking about? People who don't obey the word in, first, in, in chapter 3 and verse 1. The, the, the reference there was if somebody's not obeying the word, it's because they're not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. It was, it was a, showing a difference between the believer and the unbeliever. But we don't grow in the Word of God because we're not obeying the Word of God. The way we grow in the Word is by obedience. For John 15, 10, If any man, if ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in His love. John 14, 15, Jesus said so plainly and so simply, If ye love me, keep my commandments. It's obedience. Why, how, 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 is it, how is it obedience? Because watch, if loving is connected to keeping commandments, right? How do you, do, do relationships grow? <laughs> right? If, if love is involved, that means growth is involved. And if we're going to get closer to the Lord Jesus Christ, we get there by obedience, by growing in the word. Who is the word, John 1? It's Jesus. How do you grow in the word? Well, you grow in Christ. It's relational how do, you, how do you grow relationally with Jesus? Obedience. It's connected to love. It's very simple. Hey, listen, let me say this tonight. You might, <clears throat> you might learn Greek. Anybody speak Greek in here? 
you might learn Hebrew. Anybody speak? Uh, you got a little Greek, right? Yeah, Takana or whatever. Yeah, I got that one. You might learn Greek. Hey, you may go out and learn Hebrew. You might get your PhD. You might get your MRS. You might get your, I'll tell you what later what that one is. You, you might listen to preaching all day. Listen, you may, you may heap upon yourselves Bible knowledge on top of Bible knowledge on top of Bible knowledge, ever learning the Bible says, but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. Why? Because you may gain knowledge beyond anybody else, but you will never know intimacy except through obedience. Intimacy with God comes by obedience, obeying the Word of God. And this is so important before I move on. See, we have a real relationship with the living God, amen? We really do. He's, I mean, He's real, right? I hope so. If you don't think He is, you know, uh, find something better to do or something else, but... He's a living God. He's real. We have a relationship with Him through Jesus Christ. He speaks to us through His Word, which is Himself, right? We listen to Him by what? By reading, and we grow in closeness and intimacy by obeying. He speaks, we listen, we obey, we get closer. So we grow by the Word, right? We are born again of the Word of God. We desire the Word of God. We grow by the Word of God. Let me show you something. What else it shows us here in Peter is that we should resemble the Word. Here's where the separation comes in. We ought to resemble the Word of God. When I say resemble the Word, what am I saying? I say we ought, we ought to resemble the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice I read earlier verses one or 11 and 12 in chapter 2. We saw here... Uh, Beloved, he says, I beseech you, I'm begging you as strangers and pilgrims. We, we're, we're not from this world. We're not of this world. We're going to leave this world someday. And everything we leave is going to be left behind someday. Right? And we're, we're going home. But he says, as pilgrims and uh, strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Right? The Bible says, ask for the old paths and, and, and walk therein. And therein shall you find rest for your soul. You know why so many people have no rest in their soul? You're around them and they're just, there's no rest. Well, they're, they're not living in obedience. They're not walking with Christ. They're walking in disobedience. And so he's telling us here to separate from the fleshly lust. Verse 12, having your conversation, that word means lifestyle, honest among the Gentiles that wherein they speak against you as evildoers, they may be by your good works which they shall behold glorify God in the day of visitation. So we are to resemble the word by a separation. We're to resemble the Lord Jesus Christ. How do we do that? By separating. Notice secondly, we are to resemble the word of God by submission to man-made ordinances. Now that's a tough one, right? Look at verse 13. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the kings as supreme or unto governors, as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. Right. So we are to resemble the word of God. We are to resemble the Lord Jesus Christ in our submission. We are to resemble Jesus in submitting to man's ordinances. You ever, hey, do you ever think that Jesus obeyed his mother and his father? Jesus obeyed Joseph, who wasn't his father, right? Jesus obeyed, absolutely. You say, well, whoa, whoa, wait, 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 but what about ungodly laws? Well, that supersedes those, and we ought to obey God rather than man. We know that. But by and large, it's right to obey the law, right? Ruth was driving with us the other day when I got pulled over and dragged out of the car and brought and arrested. And you know, I didn't tell you about that. I was going to confess that later. But, um, and I had to really be nice. And, and uh, we got a ticket because our tag was expired, right? And um, it was my dumb fault. And uh, they said, oh, you've had two other warnings. And I'm like, oh, they showed that on there? <laughs> they know way too much about us. And, uh, you know... And Sherry's like, well, you, you've been gone. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, it doesn't matter. I probably could have gotten it done still, right? No, we, we're to submit. We submit to ordinances and laws and things like that. 
as long as they don't override the law of God. That, that's how we separate. That's how we resemble Jesus Christ. Notice a third, a third one. We are to a submission to bosses. Yeah, that's a, some of you retired people are like, yeah, bring it on. I like that one. It's easy. Now look at verse 18. Servants be subject. That word subject, is a, it, it, it means to arrange under, right? To, sub, to subject yourselves, to obey. Servants be subject to your masters with all fear. Not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward. How many of you had good bosses and bad bosses? You know what? According to the Word of God, if you're going to resemble the Word, if you're going to resemble the Lord Jesus Christ, you've got to show the same submission to the bad boss as the good boss. It's not easy to do sometimes. But if you're going to resemble Jesus, you will. Yeah. No, this is all a part of separation. Absolutely. Submission to bosses. Notice another area of submission when we of resembling to the word of God, verses 19 and 20. Submission to suffering. Ooh, that's a tough one. Look at verse 19. For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience towards God endure grief, suffering wrongfully. For what glory is it if when you be buffeted for your faults, like your tags on, uh, expired, shall, ye shall take it patiently. Yeah, big deal. You should. But if when you do well... And suffer for it, ye take it patiently. This is acceptable unto God. Now, notice what with God, notice what it said. Look at verse 21. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example. There it is, that ye should follow his steps. Yeah. Some of you are thinking, why don't you just read the text and not say anything? Because it's really plain. You, we could get that out of here a lot easier, right? A lot quicker. No, this is it right here submission to suffering. Submission to suffering. You know, there's two things that have come to my mind that we cannot do after we die. There's a lot of things, I know. But there's two things that are good to do that we'll never have another opportunity to do once we die. Number one, well, hopefully you've already done that. We can talk later if we have to. Number, number one, number one, glorify God. Do you know after you die, there's no need to glorify God? You'll see him as he is. What does glorify mean? Glorify means to put on display the positive attributes. To put on display God's positive attributes. To, to, so that the, the God who is the invisible God is seen through us. We put that on display. We have no need to glorify him after death. He will be with him, right? And the, and the lost world won't be there. So there's no need. But let me show you the second thing that we will not have an opportunity to do after we die which is to rejoice in suffering. Rejoice in suffering. This is where the maturity comes in the life of a believer. This is the hardest one. But this is the most like the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. Philippians 1.29, For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on Him, but also to suffer for His sake. Philippians 3.10, that I, Paul said that I might know him. I'm gripped by this verse. It's a powerful verse. He said that I might know him and, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. Do you really want that? Being made conformable unto his death. No, this is, this is if we're going to resemble the word, and this is what Peter is talking about here, about separation. Uh, we, 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 there's separation as in the way we submit to authority, the way we submit to ordinances, the way we submit to bosses, the way we submit to suffering. Jesus submitted to suffering. Uh, you know, at one point Paul said that uh, when he prayed three times for that thorn in his flesh to remove, he said, God told me, this is, was God's answer, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And know what Paul said? Hey, well then more gladly will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest on me. What did he learn to do? He learned to rejoice in suffering. Because you know what he understood? If I can rejoice in suffering, the world will see the power of God in me. And watch this. And if I can learn to rejoice in suffering, 
it'll be most the most the most like the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the greatest ways we resemble the word is how we respond to suffering. Look at verse 22, who did no sin. He didn't deserve a thing he got. Neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously, who his own self bare our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. Jesus bore what we produced, sin, so that we could bear what he produced, righteousness and fruit. And did you notice the word is bear? Right? We just, we, we bear fruit. We don't produce it. Jesus produces fruit. Jesus bore sin. Why? Because he didn't bear it. He didn't produce it. He just put it on. He who knew no sin was made to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Right? Yes. This, this, this is what I'm talking about is, is, is suffering. Suffering. He didn't have to, but he did. Now I want you to show you something. I want to show you something here now. We're talking about resembling the Word of God. We're talking about resembling the Lord Jesus Christ. We're talking about separation. We're talking about submission. Chapter 3, verse 1. Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if, they obey, if any obey not the Word... They also may without the word be won by the conversation of their wives. Some women say, well, we ought to be able to preach. Well, you can. And you can preach better than a man can. By the way you live. Wait, no. God himself said that your lifestyle, a lifestyle of submission, a lifestyle of subjection, a lifestyle of arranging yourself under God's order, is one of the loudest messages that could be preached. It's powerful. Don't, don't, no, listen, don't let these feminists mess it up for you. Because they're miserable people. They really are. They hate life. They hate people. They hate men. <laughs> yeah. And no, it's weird. They go find a girl and want her to look like a man so they can be with her. Hey, anyway, that's... <laughs> and it messed up. It's messed up. Ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, right? So they'll be won by the conversation. While they behold your chaste conversation, your lifestyle, coupled with fear. We've talked about what the word fear means. You can go back to Proverbs 1 and look about that. What is, what is a life of fear? What is a, it's a life of obedience. It's believing what God says, right? And so, verse 3, Whose adorning let it not be that outward adorning of the plating of the hair and of the wearing of gold and putting on of the apparel, Right? Somebody says, well, you ought not to plate your hair or wear gold. Well, if you're going to be consistent, you ought not to wear apparel. Because that's the rest of the verse. So obviously that can't be right. Right? Yeah. What was the point? Let it be the hidden man of the heart. Yeah. No, go ahead. Plate your hair. Right? Put your hair up. Wear, wear gold. Put some jewelry on. And put some clothes on or whatever. Yeah, please put clothes on. And whatever, but that's not what the focus is. I like what one pastor said, and I don't even agree with anything else he says, but I agreed with this. He said, ladies, your clothing should frame your face, not your body. It should cause people to want to look at you and talk to you, not, not look away from you and look at the rest of you. Right? Isn't that, isn't that what people would want anyway? I mean, who wants to just be that, that shallow of a relationship that somebody just wants to have anything to do with you just because it's solely completely about well, the way you look, right? It's to be the hidden man of the heart. Look what it says. Even an ornament, what is an ornament? You put an ornament on a tree. It's a decoration. Even an ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which in the sight of God is great price. Yeah. Do you know this? It's something you put on, an ornament. It's What are we doing? We're putting on Christ. Ladies, you're putting on. What is meekness? It's not weakness, right? It's, it's power under control. Women have a lot of power. A lot of power. You can turn an entire home whichever way you want to. Don't, can't you? <laughs> I'm going to look over here. This, my, this side's making me nervous. <laughs> but it's true. Yeah. 
Moses was a meek man. What did he do? Instead of doing what he may have had the ability to do, the power to do, the authority to do, he went to God instead. And then when God said, well, I'll wipe him out, he says, oh, no, don't do that. He was meek. His power under control. And a quiet spirit. A quiet spirit. A peaceable spirit. There's nothing more attractive than a meek and a quiet spirit. Nothing more. I, 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 I have said it before. We've, we've, I, 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 if you go back and you read Esther and you get, read the book of Esther closely, I really believe that's what Ahasuerus saw of Esther over all of the other women. It was a meek and a quiet spirit. You can go back and read that. It's a wonderful thing. For after this manner in the old time, holy women of old who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection to their own husbands, not somebody else's husband, right? Just worry about your own. <laughs> Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you know, Sherry has just taken this up with, what, about a year ago? You just started calling me Lord. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, the operative word in the verse is, is amazement, <laughs> because that, that would be amazement. No, whose daughters ye are, as long as you do well, and are not afraid with any amazement. Now, notice verse 7. Likewise. Here it is again, two times the word likewise has been used. Likewise, ye wives, likewise, ye husbands. And this is only one verse. This is glorious. <laughs> it's real short. Dwell with them according to knowledge. One of the hardest things to do. Yeah. That one verse could be written volumes on, right, of how to do that. Yeah. Giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, Notice this, and as being heirs together of the grace of life. What a beautiful phrase. What is that word? That, that word there, being heirs together, it's one Greek word, meaning I couldn't ever pronounce the thing, it's too long. But it just means a joint heir. A husband and wife are joint heirs with the grace of life. Notice this, men that are married, that your prayers be not hindered. Let that sink in. That's pretty big. It really is. What's the connection with the word likewise here? Likewise obviously is referring to something before it, right? Likewise. What's it mean? It's connected to something before. What is it connected to? Well, look, at, look at verse 13. Go back to 13. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Okay. Maybe it's that one. Maybe it's verse 18. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear. Likewise, wives. Likewise, husbands. Maybe it's that one. I don't know. Look at verse 21 through verse 21, I mean. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, <clears throat> leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. That's the, listen, that's the closest, that is the closest admonition before you get to the word likewise. Yeah. What's he saying? Look at this. We're supposed to follow the steps of Christ. Likewise, you wives. That you should follow in his steps. Likewise, ye husbands. Wives, submit and serve like Christ. Husbands, submit and serve like Christ. Likewise. No, listen, if, if, you are going to, if we are going to resemble the word, if we are going to resemble the Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to have to live like him in every facet of our life whether it be with man's laws or your bosses or your husband or your wife or whatever it is, if you're going to resemble Christ, the life of Christ was marked greatest by his servanthood, by his submission, and by his suffering. Three S's. I, did. I just made that up. Isn't that great? It's yeah. exactly right. Verse 8. It's not just husbands and wives now. Look at verse 8. And be all of one mind. Ye is plural, right? That's a pronoun. It's plural. It's really helpful. 
It's everybody who's reading. This applies to everybody. Speaking in a church context here. If you're an appendage, a member of this body, be ye all of one mind. Unity of mind. Unity of mind in what? Submitting and serving like Jesus. Do you know if everybody lived, lived with the attitude of service and submission, like the Lord, walking like Christ, you know, boy, our, my messages would be a lot shorter. I wouldn't have to talk about it so much, right? You don't believe that. Hey, listen, if you're going to resemble the Word of God, if I'm going to resemble the Word, if I'm going to resemble the Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to have to live a life of submission. A servant. I don't know, kind of like Jesus. I come to do thy will, O God. <laughs> I came to seek and to save that which is lost. Why? Because the Father sent me. Even as the Father sent me, even so send I you. Servanthood. So we are born again by the word. We are to desire the word. We grow by the word. But all of that is because we're supposed to resemble the word. Yeah. Now I want you to show you something here in verse 12. And then I'm done. Man, we're right at 8 o'clock. Look at that. No, don't look at it. Sorry. Look what... It says here, look at verse 11. We'll go up to verse 11. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. Why? For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Eyes, the eyes of the Lord are watching. Watching who? Well, those who are living a life that resembles the Lord Jesus. This is the context of the whole thing. Those that are living like Jesus Christ, look, the eyes of the Lord are, are, are the, the, the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. Now notice this. The ears are opened. Open to what? Open to our prayers. Now notice the, the contrast here. Here's, comparing, here's the contrast. But the face of the Lord, which includes the eyes and the ears and the mouth and the nose and everything, the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. One word here, one word, relationship. Let me say it this way, fellowship. Oh, no, no, let me pick a better word. Intimacy. Intimacy with the word. Watch. When we are born again by the word, we should begin to desire the word. When we desire the word, we're going to be growing by the word. When we're growing by the word, how can we tell? Because, we, because we're more resembling the word. And you know what happens when, we be, when we're resembling the word? We grow in intimacy with Christ. Yeah. I want to show you something. Jeremiah 22. <coughs> Jeremiah 22. I want to show you an illustration of this. Now, if you remember, Josiah had been king. Josiah was a great king, cleaned house, did everything wonderful, loved the Lord. And, but after he died at a young age, his son came along and took over, and his son just messed everything up. And God was approaching Josiah's son, right? And so he was saying, uh, he, was, he was telling him what he needs to do. In verse 13, he says, Woe to him that buildeth his house by unrighteousness and his chambers by wrong, that useth his neighbor's service without wages and giveth him not for his work, that saith, I will build me a wide house and large chambers and cutteth them out windows and is sealed with cedar and painted with vermilion. Shalt thou reign because thou closest thyself in cedar? Right? What's he? He's, he's, God is, is rebuking Josiah's son because he's not living anything like his dad lived. Right. He's, he's just ruling for his own power. Notice what he says. Did not thy father eat and drink and do judgment and justice and then it was well with him? He said, hey buddy, your dad served me and loved me and did well. Now notice what he goes on to say, verse 16. He judged the cause of the poor and needy. 
Then it was well with him. Now watch these last words. Was not this to know me? Why did Josiah do all this? What was God's response? What, no, I, I'm, I'm telling you, now Josiah may say, well, this is why I did it. But you know what? I'd believe God over even over Josiah. And what did God say? Josiah lived the way he lived so he could know me. Isn't that neat? Why, why separation? Why the rules? Why, let me say it this way. Why resembling the word? Why is it so important that we resemble the Lord Jesus Christ? Because like I said it before, if you want intimacy with God, this is the only way it comes. By obedience. By living like Jesus Christ. Absolutely. So separation is bigger than a list of do's and don'ts. I like lists. They're real easy, right? You, don't, you, you like those? It's just, it's easy to check off boxes. I'm like, okay, we're done. I'm feeling good. That's easy. But that doesn't build a relationship with Christ. You know what, you know what really, you, you know what, how you get here? Be out of resemblance because a heart wanted to resemble. That's how you get there. Heart. You know, really those who have been saved for 20 and 30 and 40 years, supposedly, and they don't resemble the Lord Jesus at all? Now, number one, I question of salvation. But number two, uh, they never had a heart to grow and to look like Christ and to be like him. I don't know about you, but when I get around myself too long, I don't like it. I would rather be like Jesus. Yeah. And sadly, it seems like it's few and far between then when you really are convinced that you're living like Christ. But I know me. And I know you know you. Yeah. I don't want to be like me. I want to be like him. I want that closeness. I want that relationship, that fellowship. No, we're sons and daughters of of God. We know that if you're born again. But I want that. That's why separation is bigger than a list of do's and don'ts. Separation is so I can get closer, so I can be more like him. And the more I'm like him, the more my wife likes me. And that works too, so that's... See, living out the word of God is bigger than checking off all the religious rules. The goal is intimacy. It's intimacy. How close do you feel to the Lord tonight? Let me ask you this. Is there a time when you could say, I know I was a lot closer. I know when prayer time was better. I know when my Bible reading was better. I know when just I felt like he walked with me and he talked with me and he told me that I was his own. And the joys we shared as we tarried there, none other has ever known. Remember those days? Maybe you're there tonight. Praise the Lord. I hope so. I hope so. But if you're not, can I tell you? It may be somewhere along the way in the resemblance of the word. The resemblance of the word that you've said no. And the nice thing is, you know what the nice thing is? Tonight you can fix that. Right? Right? Because I'm sure if there is a problem, I know this, I know what happens. The Holy Spirit of God has already told you what it is. It's come to your mind already. And you can fix that. And you can get back to resembling the Lord Jesus and you can get back to the closeness. Do you know by tomorrow morning, by tonight, before you lay your head on the pillow, you can be back close again? <laughs> Isn't that wonderful? You may, I, I heard somebody say before, you might be a thousand steps away from God, but with, with one turn of the heart and one... One act of repentance in one step, you can be right back with them. So you don't have to you don't have to walk a mile to get back. I love that. Where are you at tonight? Yeah. Separation. Oh, I know nobody likes to hear about it, but the real purpose of it is vitally important to us. How close are you tonight? Are you living? Are you loving? Are you obeying the word in such a way that it's drawing you closer to Him? If you veered off from that tonight, deal with the Lord with that tonight, would you? If you're right where you ought to be, 
And you just say, I want to be closer. I'm close, but I just want to be closer. Tell the Lord that tonight. However the Lord has spoken to you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word tonight. And uh, we just thank you that we could even be close. what What an amazing thing to think that we can even have intimacy with thee. That we can that we can be close, that our hearts can swell and rejoice in thy presence. It's a wonderful thing. So, Father, maybe it's tonight somebody has kind of veered off in their resemblance to the word. Maybe there's somewhere that you've pricked a heart tonight and you've told them right here, you've allowed this to come in and it's put some distance between us and I want you to fix it tonight. We pray that... Uh, your Holy Spirit would do that work tonight and that would be fixed. Lord, uh, whatever the need is tonight, we ask you to, to do that and that your people would respond to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't we stand? We have a little short invitation. The piano will play and people are praying. And if the Lord has spoken to you, are you, are you as close as you want to be? Maybe you just need to tell the Lord about that. Maybe you need to get away with the Lord right now tonight and just say, Lord, I'm not as close as I want to be. And and I don't know what the problem is, really, but I'd like you to show me. Maybe that's where you are. Maybe there's a single area of obedience keeps coming to your mind, keeps being brought up. There's one thing that's keeping you that has created a distance between you and the Lord. He doesn't want the distance. There's created the distance and you need to just get that right. dismissed in a word of prayer tonight and uh, brother Micah would you close us in prayer tonight